Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Buddy. Just a quick shout out to The Wreck for hosting this podcast each week. The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. By the way, if you've never been here before, you need to come this week. Bring your family. We drop a new podcast every Friday morning with a new story that will impact someone. We hope that someone is you. I just want to say thank you again to all the listeners each week who take the time to hear the stories of our guests. Please take a moment, if you would, subscribe to our podcast, give us a review, and share this podcast with your friends, family, and on your favorite social media platforms. We want to get these messages out to the people and to impact the world one testimony at a time. This morning, I'm excited and grateful to introduce to you my friend and guest, Isaiah Burrell. Welcome, Isaiah. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Well, it's glad that we're finally on here. We've been talking about it for a little while, but here we are. Yeah, thankful to be here. Well, cool. Glad to have you. Hey, I'll just do a quick intro of you real quick, and then we'll dive into your story and hear all the good, bad, and the ugly, right? Cool. <laughs> all the above, man. Well, if we've lived life long enough, we know stuff's bound to happen. Yeah. So, well, hey, let, here's the intro that uh, you gave to me. That I might add a few things, but um, number one, I fell in love with and have been following the Lord since 2017. And by the way, how old are you? I'm, I'll be 32 this month. Okay. So there's a period of time where you weren't. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've been married to my best friend, Holly, since 2018. Holly and I have been, or Holly and I have a blended family, a 17-year-old daughter from Holly, nine and six-year-old daughters from me, and then we have a three-year-old son together. Uh, by the way, what's your kids' names? All so, William is our son's name. He goes by Liam. Okay. Then we have Isabel, who's six, Ava, who's nine, and Mahala, who's 17. Awesome. Yeah. Wow, you got the whole spectrum. So, yeah. that's pretty awesome. Brady Bunch here. Yeah, Brady Bunch, yeah. yeah. Since November of last year, I have run a local nonprofit called Safe Families for Children, and you do that through Valor Mentoring. Correct. Okay. I've lived in Salem my whole life, aside from when I lived in Corvallis uh, for school from 2011, 2012. Was that college? College, yeah. I went to Oregon State for a year. Come on, go Beavs. Yeah, go Beavs. Okay. That's right. That's why I wore my beaver uh, <laughs> little jacket here. But you just graduated from Corbin with your bachelor's in psychology, mm -hmm. like in the last year? Yeah, just this last May. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And then a random fact about you is that you were in a musical in 2017, my first and last. Mm -hmm. Okay. What was the name of the musical? Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. No kidding. Yeah. And we... We could talk about that if you'd like later, but yeah. I was in that before I came to know the Lord. So it was an interesting time uh, because I actually learned a little bit about Jesus and uh, the gospels through that musical. It's a secular musical, but hmm. uh, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like your shirt, your sweater. It says unknown locally, yeah. heavily known. So we're going to dive into a really deep story. Take me back a little bit though. You said you were born in Salem. Mm -hmm. Uh Take us back to when you when you were born, what uh, your childhood was like, what your parents were like, and really how that makes you who you are today. I'd love to know that. Yeah. So born in Salem, um, September 28th, 1991. Birthday's coming up, man. Birthday's coming up. Yeah. Less than a month away. It's my birthday month. So, so I start 30, celebrating today. 32 years. 32 well, just years. a real quick fact is my wife and I got married in 1991 and we celebrated 32 years yesterday. That's wow. why I knew we were going to be 32. There we so. go. There you go. That's cool. Yeah, so born, uh, mom and dad, they were engaged at the time, not married. Um, before I turned one, my dad went to prison, um, so I never really knew him. And as I grew up, I had my mom 
very involved in my life. My grandparents were heavily involved, grandma, grandpa on my mom's side. I knew a little bit of my dad's side. I would spend some time with uh, grandpa on that side. And I have a brother and sister on that side as well. But I grew up not really knowing them much. Uh, it was more so just visiting them occasionally. So mostly just my mom's side. So I uh, was raised by my mom. Um, we spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Uh, we lived with them for much of my elementary age. Uh, and I would write letters to my dad. That's, that's essentially how I knew him. So we'd write letters back and forth. We didn't, I never got to actually see him in person. It was just via letters. Uh, in fact, I don't even think we spoke on the phone. Um, so grew up, um, I went to Waldo middle school, went to McKay high school, which is where I graduated. And I mean, life was good. I had really good. I had a great mom. Um, I have a great mom still and great grandparents. They, they really helped raise me. Right. But I was a very rebellious youth, um, rebellious teenager. Um, one thing I didn't mention, um, I had some Christians in my family, but I was kind of raised atheist. Um, so my mom didn't have a faith growing up. She believed that God didn't exist. Um, and so that's kind of what I was raised to believe. And so that was my worldview growing up. Mm. Um, so graduated high school when I was 18 is when I met my dad for the first time. He got out of prison. I met him and I had this ex expectation of who I thought he would be um, just based on writing letters back and forth. And so I had this expectation of him uh, when he got out, uh, that expectation was not met. And it was a probably a very unrealistic expectation, but I met him and um, that just quickly came to a crash. Um, the, the moment that my dad and my mom had a disagreement, I was pretty much just like, hey, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want you in my life. And so I cut that tie at that time. Yeah. So then I started just living my life, went off to college. Um, very, again, very rebellious. I had no idea what I wanted to do in school, but I went to Chemeketa for a year, went to Oregon state, uh, going for a business degree, but still no, no drive, no, no idea whatsoever what I wanted to do, but just going because it was kind of expected. At least that was again, my, my perception of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went to college, dropped out spring term of my second year, uh, first year at Oregon state, second year overall dropped out, moved back, um, and was living with my grandparents for a period of time. And that's what started my personal training career. So I got into a gym. Um, I knew the manager at the time. And so I just asked for a job, started working there at the front desk, at courthouse fitness yeah, and, uh, courthouse. Yeah. So she, uh, Kaylee Stolzig was the manager at the time. And she really just started asking me questions like, Hey, would you be interested in personal training? And I was like, well, I, I never thought about that, but I love working out. I love fitness. I love helping people. So I'll give it a try. And so that kind of started that I started working up the ranks there and got certified as a trainer. And, uh, I worked there for about three and a half years and just kind of moved around from there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So and since that time, though, you've been training, working out. And so let's talk about a little bit about the a, a discipline that you have. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've talked briefly about, you know, 
the foods we eat, the workouts we do, it's, you know, I always say, well, I shouldn't say I always say, but I noticed that at the gym, people are working out, but we're all a little bit overweight. Mm. And then I see a few people that are not overweight. They're actually fit. So how much does food have to do with our our physique, mm-hmm. even if we are working out? What's, that, what's the story behind that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so I always tell people, honestly, nutrition is by far the the most important when it comes to physique. Obviously, there's there's a lot of things that play into that genetics, uh, body type, but overall, if you if you have a very unhealthy eating habit or eating regimen, you can put all the work you want in the gym, but you're only going to make a certain amount of results. So I would say like ninety percent of of your success is going to be in what you eat. Wow, ninety. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. heard big numbers, but I don't know if I've ever heard 90. But. Yeah. So how do you help a guy like me? I mean, I I have discipline in certain areas, but when it comes to food, I like sugar. Yeah. What's the answer? Is there an answer? Or is it, how do you overcome that? I wish I had the answer for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, and I will say this too, in full transparency, nutrition is one thing that I struggle with too, Okay. Um, even as a trainer. So I, and I, I think a lot of that just kind of has come from how I was raised and just some of the addictions and habits that I formed growing mm-hmm. up. So I too have a very sweet tooth. I love sugar. Um, and so that's very hard for me to shy away from, but my foundation, especially when it comes to my training is when it comes to these fad diets or, you know, cut out all sugars, cut out all carbs, cut out XYZ, mm. these very strict restrictive diets. Uh, I'm not a fan of, um, my, my philosophy is you need to be able to eat, uh, in a way that works for you. Hmm. Um, so everybody's different. Yeah. So for me, kind of like body types. Yeah. We're all different body types, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, it's not a one size fits all. No, absolutely okay. not. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, but what it comes down to is just, you know, we can enjoy the things that we like in moderation. So can I have a a cupcake every now and then. Absolutely. And I do. Uh, but just enjoying the things that you like, but in moderation, um, obviously there are some kind of some structural, we'll say boundaries when it comes to nutrition that kind of applies to everybody. Uh, we could talk about that a little bit if you'd like, but overall, what I encourage people is like, let's talk about what, what is your current lifestyle? Hmm. What are your goals and how can we slightly adjust your lifestyle and the things that you enjoy to get you to your goal. Um, you know, sometimes people have genuine timelines like, Hey, I, I have some severe diabetes and I need to lose weight now. And I need to have a dramatic change now. Then yeah, let's talk about making some pretty dramatic changes. But if somebody's just like, Hey, I want to get healthier. Well, let's not just go from cold to hot. Let's gradually turn up the heat. Let's make some small changes here and there. Um, but really my focus is in the gym with them, um, coaching them with nutrition, but really helping them build that, um, routine Mm. discipline coming in, working hard. And that usually translates into the kitchen and nutrition. Yeah. So let's say you were going to coach me. Mm -hmm. What would be step one? You know, I'll work out three, four times a week. Mm -hmm kind of eat sugar every other day or every day. Sure. What would be step one to help me make that 
small first shift? Yeah. What would that be? Yeah. So I would, I mean, first step would be just me talking with you and kind of diving into exactly what, typically what I ask people is what does your average day look like? You know, you get up, do you have breakfast right away? I know you had mentioned before that you intermittent fast or yeah. you like to intermittent fast. Yeah. So that's great. Okay. Um, so we just kind of talk about what, what is your traditional routine look like when it comes to nutrition? Yeah. Um, and then we just make s small tweaks. Um, but for you, um, I'm trying to remember what, what you had mentioned to me before, but Typically, um, I like to work with people that like to get stronger and build muscle. Yeah. So that's a, that'd that's, be me. Okay, perfect. So what we would look at first is how much are you eating? Um, so we figure out like calories that you're consuming. Um, and then we talk about what your activity level is like, um, outside of working out. So mm -hmm. if, you know, if you're sitting at a desk all day and you're not mm -hmm. very active outside of the gym, then kind of take into that, that into account, but we figure out kind of what a good calorie range would be for you. Mm -hmm. And then we start with that, like, Hey, I want you to try to consume X amount of calories a day at workout, you know, X amount of days a week. These are your workout regimen. Yeah. Um, and then kind of get you going there. And then over time, as you're getting more comfortable in the gym, yeah. getting more comfortable with the changes in the workouts that we're doing, then I start to talk with you about, okay, hey, you know, maybe eating two cupcakes a day, buddy, is not a great idea. <laughs> what? Let's substitute that. Uh, how about some sweet potatoes? There's some sweetness and they're yeah. better for you. There you go. Well, I think too is, I think saying no to a cupcake is difficult to do, but mm. saying, hey, rather than a cupcake, eat a sweet potato, you're... You're, at, you're just focusing on something different. I yeah. notice when I just try to go cold turkey, it I rebel against that. You mm -hmm. talk about being a rebellious kid. I'm a rebellious adult yeah, when it comes to here. food. Like, no, nope, I'm gonna eat that cupcake. But if you can give me something else to focus on, I might eat that. Eat that. So, yeah. This is cool. Yeah. Well, I like uh, creating new habits and discipline and momentum. I think all that packages together, and it takes accountability. Mm -hmm. Like on my own, I know what I should do. But knowing what I should do and actually doing that is two different things. And mm. if I know I have to show up at the gym and see you yeah. and you're asking me those hard questions, how are those two cupcakes or did you eat better? I'm probably going to show up better. Yeah. Would you agree? I agree. I think too, um, I think this just applies in life in general, but when something costs you something, um, there's typically more weight to that, right? So yeah. as a trainer, people typically pay me for my services. Yeah. Um, and so when they know that, hey, I'm paying Isaiah some money mm -hmm. to help me, yeah. uh, there's a little bit more weight to that and yeah. they're gonna follow through. Yeah. Um, it's easier to be disciplined. Um, and so typically when I tell people, uh, and not even just in training, but you know, when somebody's like, hey, I just wanna get the, and I wanna preface this, there's nothing wrong with this. But when somebody says, hey, I just want to get the $10 membership at the gym and I want to try to lose weight, yeah. it's like, okay, absolutely. You get what you pay for. Sure. I'm pretty sure. But again, the more that you, it costs you, the more I believe you're going to be invested into what you're doing. Yeah. So, you know, getting a, you know, a trainer or being involved in group classes or yeah. something along those lines to help keep you motivated. Yeah. yeah, it helps. Got it. Well, so how do you, how do you get your clients? How does that work? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not really training anymore. I'm not taking on clients. Um, I have, I, I train, um, a couple clients from our church, uh, married couple, but, um, 
yeah, typically what I would do. So when I was, it looks a little different. So I was working at a gym for yeah. most of my, most of my time. I worked at several gyms and so it was a little bit different there. Um, you know, people would see me actually training somebody in a gym. And so that would kind of be a little bit easier. People yeah. would come up to me like, Hey, I'm interested. So yeah. we'd start that conversation. There was a little bit of kind of going out and promoting or, yeah. um, going and asking people, but a lot of it was just, they would see me or, um, and then as I transitioned out of a gym and, and kind of started doing things on my own right around COVID time, I moved into uh, my garage yeah. at our last house. And so that would require me to go out and, you know, ask people or promote on Facebook. I didn't do a whole lot. Uh, yeah. honestly, I, when I started going back to school full time, um, I backed off of training a lot. So I was just training a few clients, um, early mornings before I needed to get on with other responsibilities, right, but, right. um, yeah. And we'll talk more about this, uh, yeah. the transition out of doing the training into what you're doing now, but that's mm -hmm. kind of the last piece to save families. But let's back up a little bit Yeah. after college, uh, in what, 10, 12 years ago, mm -hmm. You did you get married, and then walk us through your journey of, you know, what was marriage look like? I know you went through probably a divorce, mm -hmm. and then got remarried. Yep. Walk us through that that yeah. journey, that time, and how was God looking back? How was God working on you during that time? Because I'm sure it was a painful time. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, so yeah, after I dropped out of college, moved back with my grandparents, started working at courthouse. Yeah. Uh, I quickly met who was going to become my first wife. Um, so we met at the gym. Uh, we kind of started dating, moved pretty quickly. And at this time, I was still not saved. I was not a believer, um, still living a, a pretty ugly lifestyle, um, not a good guy. And so met her. We moved pretty quickly. Um, she ended up getting pregnant with our first. And um, Ava was born. And... I think she was about nine months when we decided to get married. I proposed, I proposed her when she was pregnant with Ava and then we got married after Ava was born. And so we got married and still just living a bad life. And, um, yeah, just, I was not a good man. I was not a good husband and just kind of continued on in that marriage. Um, and it was about two years before you know, things just really started to go south for the both of us and kind of made the decision to file for divorce. Um, and that was a, a challenging thing. Um, but yeah, I was still just kind of living my normal pattern of life and just filed for divorce before the divorce was even final, just kind of moved on, um, started dating who is my now wife, which that's a story in and of itself, but, um, started dating Holly and, um, yeah, just being dishonest. And that was just kind of my MO lying, being dishonest, uh, hiding my past. And so I carried that right into my relationship with Holly. Um, and that is, that's the point where God started to meet me, where I started to recognize, cause up to that point, my perspective, my perspective, as I shared earlier was God doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a God. This is ridiculous. Um, but I started going to church with Holly and so what church you guys go to church on the hill. Church on the hill. Yep. So I started going there, uh, beginning of 2017 
and the messages that were happening. I can't tell you exactly what the message was, but I do remember clearly that it was speaking to me. God was speaking to me in my life circumstance, you know, about me being kind of this, you know, two-faced person, essentially. I was living two lives. Mm -hmm. I had my one life that I didn't want people to see, and then this is the life that I want you to see. Um, and so, like, God was really speaking to that season in my life. Uh, meanwhile, I was going through family court stuff, and that was a huge mess. That was super volatile, to say the least. Um, so that was happening. I'm kind of approaching, honestly, an all-time low in my life, just struggling and feeling overwhelmed and conflicted at with, you know, I'm telling people this is who I am, but this is not really who I am. And so I'm feeling like this immense amount of shame. So we're going to church. I had done so, and I'm not bragging, but I had done really good about hiding who I was. People just didn't really know a lot of my past. But Holly started to find things out about me. Um, and I genuinely believe God was giving her wisdom um, and sharing these things with her. And so she would come to me and say, hey, is this true about you? Uh, and I would you know, say, yeah, you're right. That's, that's, that's me. Um, and I had so much fear in that because I had so much fear of rejection. And so what I was met with, though, was a grace and a mercy that I've never experienced in my life. And so kind of all three of those things happening, you know, this downward spiral in my life, God speaking to me in church, and then Holly like physically expressing God's love and mercy to me as I'm learning about it. I was like, hmm, that began my questioning. Well, maybe God exists. So I started seeking. Um, That's a key, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy shift yeah. in mindset. Um, so I started reading the Bible, which was super weird because I didn't quite believe in God, but I just, something in me was like, start reading the Bible. So I started reading the Bible. Um, and I did that as our church was going chronologically in the sermon series through the Bible. And this started in 2017? 17, yeah. Okay. Key, that's a, yeah. that's a really pivotal mm -hmm. point in your life. Yeah. Pastor Bruce and Jason bring it, don't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're amazing, amazing teachers. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm going through this family court stuff and it got to a point in 2017 where I had lost all hope. Um, I was fighting for time with my kids. I was, again, just not, I wasn't a great guy, but I, I was changing. Um, God was changing me, in fact. So it was late 2017 that I was at that point of like, I cannot do this anymore. And I had learned and started to believe that God existed. So at that point, I said, I surrender. I give my life to you. Uh, and everything changed from there. I mean, wow. as a, that was the pivotal moment in my life. Yeah. Um, circumstances didn't necessarily change, yep. which, yeah, That's I've come to learn that that doesn't happen. Right. But what changed was my heart. Uh, something changed in my heart and I started to see things differently. Um, I was looking at it through a new lens. And mm -hmm. so every, so even though nothing changed necessarily from the outside, everything changed in my life. That's beautiful, yeah. man. Nothing changed on the side, but in the inside, everything changed. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, we all go through it. And by the I mean, I think this is a key moment is that if you live long enough, you're going to go through something in a life that will strip you naked and leave you in a place that you can't fix. Yeah. And then that's when God steps in, mm -hmm. I believe. I, I think it's whether people accept that or not, that's it's not up to me. 
but you were ready to to have a new life. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is really cool. Okay, so you get remarried. Mm-hmm. When did when did you guys get married? Uh, January first of twenty eighteen. Okay. New Year's Day. So you guys were dating during this period of time. Yeah. Going to church. Mm-hmm. God's working on you. Yeah. Yep. And then you get married 2018. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I proposed to Holly August, uh, and I, I'm sure you remember, but there was the eclipse in 2017, oh, yeah, August I got of 2017. Picture. Yeah, I know exactly where it was. So I that was it. I just knew, um, I knew that this is the woman that I I want to genuinely spend my life with, um, and this was all kind of happening as I gave my life to Christ, and I'm feeling these like very intense feelings, and so I. Yeah, I proposed during that that eclipse in August, and then we got married, what, four months later? Yeah. Yeah, January 1st. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's that? uh, Is that seven years now? Yeah, yeah, seven years we've been together. We're coming up on six years of marriage. There you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, you know, having a blended family, you know, how has God showed you how to love, you know, her kid, Mm -hmm. her kids, I guess her- Her Her her, daughter. Her daughter. Yep. As your own, mm. and then maybe not so much how she's loved your kids, but you know how's God worked through that blended season, and you know what, that He can do all things. Mm. What's that look like for you guys? Yeah, yeah. There's a. Uh, I wish I could say it's been all easy, but uh, there's definitely been challenges that that has come with a blended family. Uh, yet there's been a lot of beauty in it, and I think you kind of touched on it. Is that before I knew Christ. I was an orphan. I was estranged from God, yet God brought me in by adoption. He adopted me as his son. And so somewhat similarly, Mahala is not biologically mine, yet I've learned to love her the same as I would love my own biological children, no different. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, there's been hiccups and challenges and yeah, but overall it's... It's been great. I see that you you see it the same way you were adopted into the family of God, mm-hmm. just like uh, Holly's daughter is really adopted by you. Did you then? I guess that does that mean adoption? Is that what? No. So Mahela is really blessed because she has she has three three dads. We say yeah. um, so. She has her biological dad um, who wasn't super involved growing up, but became more involved as she got older. Um, Holly, after Mahala was born, um, her and Mahala's dad separated. And then she started dating a man named Matt. um, And Matt kind of came in and raised Mahala as if she was his own. Um, And he has remained very involved in her life, Mm. uh, him and his family. So they're all very much so involved in Mahala's life. And so Mahala is very blessed. She has three yeah. great dads who awesome. just pour into her and support her. And um, so it's pretty neat. It's a kind of a different situation because yeah. um, you meet a lot of people who, um, you know, maybe a, a stepdad comes in, but mm-hmm. the biological dad or the, you know, the daughter or son just doesn't have another dad involved in their life. And so the stepdad is all they learn to know. Um but Mahela is a little different. She has three very involved dads in her life. So it's pretty cool. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. And that you have a great attitude toward that. Oh yeah. It's a, ble- a it's a huge a blessing. Bitterness is just a blessing. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask just a side note. Uh, did you do any sports in high school? Uh, you seem like an athlete to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I played football. Okay. Uh, eighth grade and then ninth grade. 
And I normally don't share this story with people because it's embarrassing. But so I was not athletic growing. I was very scrawny. I think I graduated high school at maybe 115 pounds, 120 pounds. So I was just really small. You could be scrappy at 115. Yeah, but I was not. (laughs) And I was not athletic, but I really wanted to play football because in my mind, that's what guys do. You go play football. cool thing to do. Yeah. So I was like, let's play football. So uh, I joined the team. I was maybe second string or third. I don't even know. But freshman team and... Uh, my first experience in a game was a scrimmage game. I actually got to go in and play. And the first play, uh, I broke my finger. So that I was done. <laughs> I said, I'm not built for this. Uh, I sat on the bench the rest of the, the season. And that was it for me. Okay. So I was like, okay, football's not my thing. So um, I ran with the cross country team, but mm-hmm. I did not um, compete with them. I just yeah. kind of ran for fun. Uh, one of my buddies was a part of cross country. I think that was my junior year, junior or senior year. Uh, but that was it for sports for me. I really got into leadership. So they have some leadership programs within yeah. the, ch- with not within the church, within the school, yeah. um, kind of mentoring, uh, freshmen, incoming freshmen as a junior and senior, and then also student leadership, like government type stuff. So I got involved in that and that was kind of my thing. Yeah. Which is Fast forward, you're you're 32 and you're kind mm-hmm. of involved in men- a mentoring group mm-hmm. called Valor Mentoring yeah. and uh, Safe Families, which is taking care of kids and yeah. leadership, all that. You know, you, you have to go through stuff before, like before God allows you to go do that as ministry. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, I know that you recently graduated from Corbin mm-hmm. uh, with a psychology degree. And if you back up, you were a, a business major back in Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Um, so... How did that lead you into doing what you're doing today? I guess tell, what, give give us that journey mm-hmm. to where you are today. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, before I touch on that, I do want to. You had asked a question earlier that I didn't really answer, which was how has God used a lot of my past? And I, I'm realizing, I'm learning that God, when you live a life surrendered to Him, He redeems everything. So. Everything in my past, all the the ugliness, the bad choices, the person that I was, God has used and redeemed in my life over time. So a really great example of that is my walk through divorce, uh, family court with two kids, seeing the ugly side of that and walking through that. I now am in a place where I can speak life into those that are going through that. Uh, so God has taken that and redeemed it. Uh, and there's, again, this is a, a whole nother podcast of just the redemption that's happened between my ex-wife and I. Yeah. Um, God has really moved throughout that. So, so yes, God takes everything. It has taken things in my past, and I believe he's going to continue to um, and uses it for his glory. He redeems it all. Mm. So that's, that's key, man. Mm. He, the fact that you give him glory, that he redeems all no matter what happened. Yeah. And, and I think really just a key point here is most of us have lived our life in the rearview mirror. We look in the rearview mirror at all the things we did wrong, but if we'd actually look in the 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 big uh, window that we, instead of the rearview mirror, really seeing what God's doing in our life mm-hmm. and, and the fact that he redeems everything. That's so, right. So good point. Yeah. Yeah, so with schooling... Um, like I said, I dropped out of Oregon State 2012. I uh, had no intention of going back to school. 
I, when I started my career as a personal trainer, I thought this is it. I, I still love it. I enjoy it. Uh, I enjoy helping people, you know, kind of transform their bodies and their minds. Um, but what really changed was after giving my life to Christ and it was, let's see, this would have been 20, 2019, late 2019. I, it wasn't an audible thing, but I really felt in my heart that God was calling me to go back to school. Hmm. And he had told me to go back to school for counseling, for psychology. And so I said, okay, God. And so it was the following school year. I, I needed to finish up some prerequisites. So I applied at Chemeketa, um, was finishing that up and was just really praying as to where do I go next, God? And God said, Corbin. And this was at a time where we weren't super financially stable and I was a little nervous, like, okay, God, uh, that's pretty expensive. I can't, we can't afford that. So you're going to have to provide. I mean, if you want me to go there, you're going to, so that was my prayer. Uh, and what I genuinely felt was I got you covered. Just apply there. You're it's, you're not going to have to pay a dime. It's going to be covered. So I was like, okay. So I ended up applying to Corbin, um, started applying for scholarships and, uh, there was one scholarship in particular. Um, it's through Trinity education foundation. And so I had applied for that scholarship and that scholarship would have covered my entire tuition. So I was like, okay, God, this is the one I know it. So I applied and was waiting, was waiting, got an email saying, I'm so sorry, you didn't get that scholarship. So I had a moment of like, okay, God, what is this? You know, I don't have anything else lined up. Like this was the one scholarship that kind of went through. So uh, you said it was going to be covered. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to continue on in this. Mm -hmm. So I continued on. I didn't, you know, revoke my, my application to Corbin. Uh, it was probably two or three weeks later, I got a call from Trinity Education Foundation, which I didn't know it was them when I got the call, but I answered it and the lady's like, hey, this is, uh, I don't remember who it was, but so-and-so from Trinity Education Foundation, I'm about to make your day. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> uh, and she said, so you were actually the runner-up for the scholarship. Uh, I think they took three, three students. You were the runner-up, so you were like fourth place. Well, the, the gentleman who was right ahead of you was unable to accept his scholarship, so it's going to you. So I was like, whoa. And so that dramatically skyrocketed my faith, uh, continued on at Corbin, um, just studied and got my degree in psychology. Just like I said, I just finished that up. And so, uh, it was this last, uh, October, November that I was praying because I was approaching kind of the deadline for applying for graduate school for the upcoming year. So I was just praying into that, God, where do you want me? And I was daily just asking God, where do you want me to go? Do you want me to go to graduate school? Do you want me to stop with my bachelor's? Uh, you know, what do you have for me? And over time, God had just revealed little things as to um, kind of what my giftings are and where my heart is. And so I knew I wanted to work with kids. I knew I, I worked for a short season at a youth correctional facility a couple of years ago. Um, and so I had a heart for, you know, the, those types of kids that have had a rough childhood. Um, yeah, I just didn't really have a fair shot at life growing up. And so my heart was, was for those kids. So God was revealing these things, um, again, just praying into where, where am I going to go next? And then it was November, mi like mid November that Tim Davis called me and just said, Hey, um, he had mentioned safe families to me before, 
Um, but it was more like a, Hey, this is going to possibly be happening in the future. You know, maybe you can get involved down the road. But then he called me in November. I just said, said, Hey, um, I have this opportunity for you if you'd like to help Mm -hmm. run this ministry. And so I said, okay, God, I think this is it. So I felt like I got the green light from God and, uh, was, so I finished up school while taking on this ministry and, um, yeah, it's, it's been amazing. When did you originally meet Tim? Uh, I met him, I want to say it was either 2017 or 2018 at a, a men's retreat uh, gotcha. with our church. Church on the Hill. Yeah, because yeah. he was pastoring a church on the Hill at the time. So Interesting how God puts people in your life mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, I don't really see. And then later on, it comes to fruition that Tim yeah. played a vital part in this. And Yeah. Okay, so he, the Valor Mentoring hired you on in, you said November. Yeah, I think my I officially started very beginning of December. So like part-time? Yeah, yeah. And then when did you go full-time? Uh, oh gosh. So it was probably in April ish. Uh, so just a few months ago. Yeah. Cause so Tim was aware that I was finishing up school. And so we kind of talked about what that would look like and, um, safe families was just kind of getting started. And so there wasn't a huge need yet. So it was just kind of building foundations, um, getting systems ready, learning about safe families. So it was a pretty slow startup. Um, but then as things started to get busier, I just, progressively started adding more hours and um, getting more involved in the ministry. And so to now it's full-time, it's a go. Crazy. We're serving lots of families. It's pretty great. How, how long has Safe Families been around then? You said Ooh. it's fairly new? No. So Safe Families started in 2003, uh, but it started out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, so Dave Anderson is the founder of it. He, it's a nationwide. It's a nationwide okay. uh, ministry. Okay. Um, and so he started it there and then had the idea to, well, let's have other faith-based nonprofits kind of take it on as a program. Right. So they have the structure um, and then it's just implemented by the agency. So that's how it kind of came about. And I, I don't have an exact date as to when it came to uh, Marion and Polk counties. I want to say like early 2010, 2011, maybe okay. uh, I could be way off on that, but yeah. it's been around here for a while. Um, it was run by Catholic community services for a, a large number of years. Then they transitioned it to CASA, which is just right next door to us yeah. for a period of time. And then they handed it off to us, Valor Mentoring okay. just last year. So that's why it's new to Valor Mentoring. New to Valor Mentoring. It has been, okay. Yeah. What is your role? What do you do? And I want to hear more about this here. This is really cool. Yeah. So uh, I have a number of roles. Um, One of them is uh, more clinical, hands-on with the families. It's called a family coach supervisor. So I meet with, it's kind of a two-part thing. I recruit, uh, I meet with churches to talk to them about safe families and see kind of what their, what their, the DNA of their church is like Mm -hmm. and how safe families can benefit them. um, And then, if they say yes, then we kind of begin on working on recruiting volunteers. Um, meanwhile, I'm also kind of getting the word out to the families that would like some help, some assistance. And so I'm kind of working hands-on with these families, um, kind of going through paperwork, referral process, all that stuff. And then I get them connected with, with a volunteer. And so these families, more often than not, are kind of dealing with isolation. So they're by themselves. They don't have a support system around them. Crisis strikes and they're left with, what do I do? Um, And unfortunately, what often happens is kids in these situations really suffer because, Mm -hmm. you know, 
oftentimes neglect or abuse begin to happen, not because the parent doesn't love their kids, but because they're just so overwhelmed and they have nobody to help support them. Um, and so that's when DHS gets involved. Sometimes kids get taken from parents um, and then that's just a messy road. That's a messy process. So safe families exist to step in and prevent the neglect and abuse from ever happening. So we are that support system for the family, essentially. It's kind of getting ahead of the curve mm -hmm. instead of waiting until it happens and DHS gets called and yeah. takes families apart. Yeah. And this is a no cost to the families because it's a nonprofit. Yep. Correct. So yep. basically, if somebody knows somebody... Well, they call you directly? Do they call yeah. Valor Mentoring? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's, is there like a website for people to go to? Yeah, so uh, we do have a website. It's salem.safe-families.org. Okay. Um, and that will lead people to, there's the referral form for families that need the help or are desiring the help. And then there's also volunteer applications on there. Um, my contact info is all over it too. So if somebody's either interested in getting more information, interested in becoming a part of this movement, or if they know of a family or are a family that just needs some support. Um, and honestly, that support could, could look, you know, a million different ways. Yeah. Essentially, it's just you're, you feel alone. You need some support um, as a parent. Uh, that referral form is on there as well. So many ways for people to get plugged in. Yeah. That's really good, Isaiah, to learn more about you. you know, as we wrap up here, this has been a really good podcast. We might want to have another one down the road too to see where you end up and where you go and how God's working in your life. But yeah. is there anything that we haven't talked about that you really want to talk about to end this episode that's going to impact somebody? Just something that comes to your mind or your hmm. your thoughts? No, I mean, I don't think there's anything about me that we haven't yeah. really talked about, but I would just say, you know, maybe for somebody listening that a key uh, promise in scripture that I really hold on to is that when we seek him first, he provides, he provides the things that we tend to look at and think I need to strive for those things. But when we actually are in his word, we're seeking him and seeking his will in our lives things kind of fall into place. And so the, I've experienced, I've lived that. Um, so I know that to be true. Um, yeah. I was just talking to uh, a guy this morning over coffee. Uh, I like early morning, Friday morning coffees, mm -hmm. but we're talking about the word, you know, it says seek first his kingdom and yeah. his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Mm. I heard recently in a message, it says seek, it doesn't say find. Mm. And I thought that's really interesting because if you find something, it means you found what it is. And I think ultimately we we want to find Christ. But the word seek is seeking the Lord is an active pursuit. And yes, we find him, but we still get to seek him every day. And I think mm. that's the key is seek. You know, I, I remember there's a verse, I think it's in Matthew, ask, seek, and knock. Yeah. So in many areas, back to what you're saying, seek. Yeah. Yeah. There's joy in that. So, well, Isaiah, this has been a blast. I've learned a lot. Um, I know that I need to eat better. <laughs> I still need to keep working out, but I need to probably figure out some a plan there. But uh, Let's talk I'll, about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. I was encouraged by this this conversation. And I, I do listen to a lot of people, but I really respect people who actually 
they walk the talk. Mm. And there's something different about somebody who knows something, but they're not doing it. And then somebody who does know something and they're doing something about it. And that's you mm. to me. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll, I'll be praying for you that God would have his way in your heart and your mind, your soul, um, that he continues you walking you down the journey that he would have you walk. Yeah, thank you. And that's the key. So, well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Thank you for each listener every week that you take the time to listen to the stories. We appreciate you, and we hope it encourages you. We hope that you leave with a challenge, um, maybe even a passion to go serve the community the way Isaiah is. Get involved in uh, safe families. Get a hold of Valor Mentoring. Get involved somehow. And uh, anyway, we'll keep bringing these stories to you every week, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much.